Good morning and welcome to the Gathering Church. My name is John Mark Redwine, I'm the lead pastor, and it's so good to have you guys with us on our first worship gathering of 2018. Come on, yes, we did it. So far, your resolutions are going great. You've been to church every Sunday in 2018. Congratulations, I'm proud of you. Today's going to be a great day. You know how I know it's going to be a good day? Because the enemy has already tried to do everything he could to stop it from being a great day today. Here's what you need to know. It was seven degrees, like Robbie said, when our, when our setup teams got here this morning to empty trailers full of heavy cases, push them up a ramp into a building that they believed was gonna be warm. And I even actually, if you follow me on Instagram, I said last night that we were gonna get the heaters on early for you. Well, we did not, you may have noticed, as it's still very cold in here. We got here this morning and the heaters were dead. We're not working. It was like 35 degrees in this room. No joke. It was terrible. On top of that, uh, who knows that a hot cup of coffee is one of the most important parts to anybody's day. Our coffee maker had a little bit of water in there in our storage trailers over this past week. Do you know what happened? It exploded like a car in a Michael Bay movie. <laughs> Boom! Gone. No coffee maker. And then on top of that, my microphone was missing one of the most important pieces. And so everything was falling apart this morning. The enemy showed up. He tried to stop it from being a good day today. But you know what? No weapons formed against us shall prosper. Let me tell you something. We're not going to be slowed down. We're not going to be stopped. The enemy was here, but he has left because the Holy Spirit's here instead. So we're going to have a good morning. The heaters are on. We got hot coffee over there, and the microphone's working. And you guys are fortunate, because otherwise I would have used a handheld, and this thing happens to me. When I use a handheld, I know what it is. I feel like I'm doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> and so instead of actually preaching, I would have just walked back and forth and told jokes all morning. Some of you guys would have preferred that, but... You got rescued. Trust me, the jokes would have been real bad. So you got rescued from that today. Um, today we're starting a brand new series called The Temple. Open up your Bibles with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 2, which will be our focal passage during this series today. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Today's message is simply titled, Emotional Health. Emotional Health. It's January, so we're going to spend a few weeks talking about health. Because health is important, and it matters all year round, but we especially start thinking of it around December 28th, right? As we start to think about those New Year resolutions. Who made a New Year's resolution so far this year? Anybody? Who broke your New Year's resolution already on January 7th this year? Back in December, I started going to the gym again. I just wanted to let you guys know that. It doesn't have anything else to do with anything. No. I started going to the gym again back in December um, because my wife asked me to. And how many of you know if your wife asks you to go to the gym, you go to the gym. And so I started going to the gym again, and um, I'm there every work morning at about 6.15 in the morning. And I go to the Candler YMCA. It's new, it's small, and it's in Candler. So there's usually about five people there, including me. And so I know who they are. I recognize every face. We see each other every morning. And so I get up on January 2nd to go to the gym, and I'm thinking, it's going to be horrible at the gym today because for the next four weeks, it's just going to be full of people who made this New Year's resolution that they're just working on breaking. And, uh, and so I got up and I was kind of grumpy about it. I get to the gym. 
there is exactly one new person at the Candler YMCA on January 2nd. And so congratulations to Karen, uh, who is the... The one person in Candler, I mean, it's small. I couldn't, I didn't, the TVs weren't working, so I was watching hers, talk to the trainer. And uh, the one person in Candler who kept her New Year's resolution this year. Good job. I'm just kidding. I think resolutions are a great thing. I love this time of year because it gives people drive and focus. I like how people hone in on what their goals are and start thinking. I love strategies. And I love that in the first part of the year here, it seems like everybody's trying to form a new strategy to get where they want to go in 2018. I love that. We got a bunch of folks working on <clears throat> different resolutions right now in my circle of friends. Physical health is always a big one at the beginning of the year. And we're going to talk about physical health next week in a biblical context. And so I can't wait to share that with you. We got a lot of folks on Whole30 right now. If you don't know what Whole30 is, it means that you eat a whole lot of vegetables and stuff. A lot of boring foods, nothing like real fried or anything like that. So a lot of folks on Whole30 right now. Um, a lot of people make resolutions to work on their spiritual health. That's what we're going to be talking about in week three of this series. And so shout out to everybody reading Genesis chapter one this week. That's good. Uh, a lot of folks are going to read the Bible every day in 2018. I'm praying for you. We're with you. So, uh, and then we hear people talking about making pledges for their emotional health. This year, I'm going to cut myself some slack. This year is going to be the year that I move on into forgiveness in that area that I've needed to move into. This is going to be the year for me that I'm really going to get my mind right. Here's what I've learned. Too often, we think these three areas are unrelated, and then we can't understand why it's so hard to get one area healthy while we neglect another. Your physical, emotional, and spiritual health are inseparable. Your physical, emotional, and spiritual health are inseparable. You cannot have excellent emotional health and poor spiritual health. You cannot have excellent spiritual health and neglect either. You cannot have excellent physical health and poor emotional health. You are one person, and each of these areas represent a vital part of you. They go together. If we want to be healthy in the new year, we've got to set a resolution to give attention to all three. So let's talk this morning a little bit about our emotional health. When we started the Gathering Church, for me it was the culmination of years of work. I had spent seven years preparing to start this church. It was not an accident. It was hard. I went through schooling and studied everything I could get my hands on. The, the three years leading up to starting the church were 80-hour weeks for me, working my regular job, working the second ministry job that I had, coming home, planning this church, working on my master's degree. It was intense. And then we moved here in uh, June of 2015, and that would have been only eight weeks after we had our first child, Eleanor Rose. She was born in April. And so I was new into fatherhood, and now I was in a place where I was learning how to do ministry in a, in a brand new context, in a brand new way, doing something that I'd never done before, starting a church from scratch, and even just being a lead pastor. I had to pastor guys who had more ministry experience than I did. There was a lot that I was trying to, sh to, to juggle. And I remember that first year, even those first couple of months, I spent a lot of time just feeling like I was in way over my head. I was working long hours. I was coming home, and 
I, I was really honing in on my spiritual health in that season because I knew that in order to pastor a church, I had to do it out of the overflow of my spiritual health. I couldn't be spiritually unhealthy and expect to have anything to lead people with. And so I was praying and reading my Bible for a minimum of an hour every single day, um, more on some days. I was focusing in on my physical health because I, I had too many friends that I had just gotten out of the Coast Guard as well. And so I was making the transition into civilian life. And I had too many friends who made that transition and gained 40 pounds because nobody was telling them they had to work out anymore. And so I joined a gym, and I was going to the gym regularly, and I was doing all these things for my physical health and my spiritual health, but emotionally, I gave it no attention. I was just pouring it all on. I was doing everything I could imagine. I was spending hours reading books about leadership. I was spending hours listening to podcasts and other preachers preach to try to learn from them. But I wasn't doing anything to help myself cope with every, all the change and everything that was happening around me. June of 2016, one year after we moved here, I came with, within an inch of an emotional breakdown. Almost burned out. It was bad. I didn't know how to handle it anymore. Folks were coming into my office as their pastor and wanting to offload their burdens on me. And I would listen and, and I would receive it and I would pray for them. But every time somebody walked out of my office, I didn't emotionally know what to do with what I had just received. So I just kept it. I just took a little bit of it onto myself every single time, and I, I felt like I was about to crack. Everything in me felt like it was about to break, and it was bad. It was bad for my marriage. My marriage has never been in a worse place than it was in June of 2016. It was bad for me as a parent. I was not a good leader in that season, and honestly, I was pretty close to the edge. I want us to understand this morning that we cannot neglect our emotional health. That you can pour into e either of the other two areas. You can pour into them. But if you allow yourself to go into this area of emotional unrest, if you allow your emotional health to fall to the wayside, you are heading towards a disaster. We have got to focus in on our emotional health this morning. Here's what I learned through that season. We have to foster our emotional health, care for it, and constantly improve it, or we will not be healthy in any other area of our lives. So I want us to be emotionally healthy as a gathering of believers here this year. So I want to talk about three. I'm going to, here's what I'm going to do this morning. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to talk through three problems that we have, and then I'm going to give us some biblical solutions to that. So I want to go through three different areas that I think we get exceptionally emotionally unhealthy in this morning. First, poor maintenance and overwork. Poor maintenance and overwork. For a long time, one of my hobbies was to purchase Jeeps, fix them up, and sell them for a profit. I would tell you I don't do it anymore, but I do have a Jeep parked in the parking lot presently that's 25 years old. And so I've had nine Jeeps and four Land Cruisers in this pursuit in the last seven years. So this is a little bit of an obsession, right? Uh, do you know what I find over and over on these low-valued, worn-out vehicles that I buy? They only need some basic maintenance in order to operate the way that they were made to. When I buy them, they're in pretty rough shape. I mean, they don't look good. They don't sound, when, they, when you start them up, they just sound tired. Like they're just ready to stop working. They're busted up looking. But only because their previous owners kept putting off small maintenance needs. 
One by one, they build up until the vehicle just got tired. So I come in, I do some basic maintenance. I replace some worn out parts. I clean up the leaks. I clean up the interior. I paint the exterior. And with just a little bit of effort, these vehicles sell for thousands more than I put into them. Since we're talking about cars, here's something else I do. I like to drive on the lines. You know, when I'm driving on the road, I like to drive on the lines, not next to them. I, I don't know why, but I like to drive on them. It's just where my car goes. It's not on purpose. It's just my tire is consistently, the, around here they have rumble strips on the line in some places. It makes me crazy. That's where my car wants to be. And so I always just put one tire on the line, and here's a secret. I know that if I'm on the line, I'm okay. The, the other car has another line that he can drive on, and that would still leave us four inches between our cars. There's four inches in between those yellow lines. That's plenty of room, I think. That's safe. Here's what you need to know. My wife does not feel the same way. Rael is an anxious, nervous wreck anytime we drive anywhere. She does not like it when I drive on the lines. It makes her feel stressed out. Because here's why. If, I, if I'm on the line, there's not enough margin. There's no room for error. There's no room for any mistakes or any extra room if I need it. And if, if you have a vehicle and you neglect the basic maintenance of it, if you have a vehicle and you neglect the basic maintenance of it and it begins to get tired, you're doing the same thing that we often do with our emotional health. We don't maintain it. We begin to fade out. We get tired. We burn out. We break down. We, I believe that we live in a culture that ignores our need for margin. We like to live our lives packed out to the edge of the line. And we go and we go and we go and we don't worry about stopping to do the maintenance that has been recommended to us from the experts. And honestly, it's all a little bit dangerous. Second thing that we do, second thing that I think we do that lets our emotional state get unhealthy is past hurts or present pain. I think that we're emotionally unhealthy often due to past hurts and present pain. Is this why you're emotionally unhealthy this year? Is this what you've wanted to make a pledge to change as 2018 came around the corner? This is such a common cause of breakdown in our minds and our hearts. I probably don't need to explain it that much. Many of us are still bitter because of something that happened in our past. Maybe we're angry at God because of a circumstance that we didn't have control over. Or maybe a person who you were supposed to be able to trust, supposed to be able to rely on, hurt you deeply. Maybe one of the people in this world who you were supposed to love the most has taught you what it means to hate. Maybe it was out of your control, maybe it wasn't. But either way, maybe there is a hurt inside of you that seems to be taking over your life. Maybe there's an anger within you that seems to be growing into this bitterness that doesn't feel like it'll ever be satiated. Or maybe you're dealing with something else. Maybe right here this morning you're feeling the fingers of anxiety wrap their hands around you. Maybe you have a fear of everything. You're, you're, you're racked with it. Maybe it's depression Maybe you just are, are constantly feeling like it's never going to be enough. You're never going to be enough. And this winter, cold months, they don't make it any better, do they? And it feels like it's a little bit much. 
and you feel unhealthy. And it's starting to feel like the temple is collapsing. Third thing. Third thing. I think a lot of times we're emotionally unhealthy due to sin. It's not cool to talk about sin in church anymore. It makes people uncomfortable. I'm very sorry. But sin is a reality that we have to talk about. Sin is simply defined as doing things that are the opposite of what God wants for our lives. Sin is when we make mistakes that we know are mistakes. When we do things that are opposed to God's love. And even though we know they are, sometimes we just find ourselves doing them regardless. Sometimes we call them habits, mistakes, addictions, but it's all sin. And nothing can lead to greater pain and brokenness than sin. Sin leads to emotional, spiritual, and physical death. It's no joke. Maybe it's something unconfessed, some secret habit nobody knows about that's tearing at you little by little. Maybe it's something that became very public and the shame and the guilt of it are overwhelming. Maybe it's something that you're not even ready to admit is sin, but something inside of you just keeps whispering, this isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't how I was made to live. And it's taking its toll on your temple. When we do any of these things and we let our emotional health suffer, it has reaching consequences. It bleeds into our spiritual and physical health. And we'll talk about more of that in the coming weeks, but it also affects our joy, our peace. It makes it hard for us to feel satisfied in life. When we get emotionally unhealthy, we feel unrest creeping into every area of who we are. And it, it, it's, it distracts us from enjoying the things that God has created us to enjoy. It distracts us from the purpose that he's created us to live in. And it affects our relationships and our marriages and our kids and our friendships. It affects our ability to discover the way that God's created us to make a difference. The more unhealthy we get emotionally, the harder it is to make a difference. In the book of Romans, Paul is writing a handbook on Christianity to a group of believers in Rome. Chapter 12, let's look at it again. Chapter 12, verse 2, he says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Living in a constant state of emotional unhealthiness is not new. It's not because of iPhones. It's not because of our technology today. It's not because of the culture we live in. It's not because of the president. It's not because of the news media. It's not because of any of that. It's been around since the very beginning. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. This world has a pattern that leads to unhealth, that leads to death. It's a part of the brokenness of the human condition. It's normal for our friends and neighbors to be so busy that they don't have time to rest. It's normal. It's, it's normal in our culture to be on medication for depression and anxiety instead of seeking out the root cause of it. It's normal to be on the edge of breaking down consistently. It's so normal that maybe your Friday night looks like going out with your friends, getting drunk, and everybody just laughing about how hurt they are inside. It's become a joke to us. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. It's a shared experience that we need to stop sharing. But be transformed. Paul continues, but be transformed. New year, new you, right? This is our mantra. Is that your mantra? This new year, new you. Is 
if you want to be made new, you can be transformed. We don't have to keep doing it. We don't have to keep being what this world says we are, says we need to be. We can be transformed. And guess where it starts? By the renewing of your mind. Isn't that interesting? That as Paul's talking about being a new creation, being transformed, being made new, that it starts by the renewing of your mind, your emotional stability, your mental health. That's where he starts it, right there. It, as our, our transformation to becoming more like Christ starts right there with the state of our minds. Then look what will happen. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. If your emotional health improves, so does your spiritual health. When your mind is clear and it's renewed and purpose-driven, you will have a better relationship with God, which will bleed out into every area of your life. So this year, 2018, it's time to do something about your emotional health. You were created by God for God. You have a purpose. You were created to make a difference. You are a temple for the spirit of the living God. In chapter 2 of John, Jesus refers to himself as a temple when he says that I will tear down this temple and rebuild it in three days. Paul echoes that in 1 Corinthians when he talks about our bodies being a temple. In John chapter 14, Jesus says that the spirit of the living God will dwell inside of us. That's why this series is called The Temple. We are a temple for the spirit of the living God. And these three pillars our emotional, our physical, and our spiritual health, that's what's holding this temple together. That's what makes it strong. That's what allows God's power to do what it can do within us. So this year, it's time for us to make a decision to stop doing those things that are leading us into an unhealthy emotional state. It's time to hone in on our emotional health, to really focus in on it, to say, this time, I'm gonna do something different. This year, I'm gonna grow. This year, it changes for me, I've got three things that I think we can do to improve our emotional health. Let's look. First, I think we need to build margins and rhythms. I think we need to build margins and rhythms. Margin is something that's first introduced in the Bible in Leviticus, the most fun book that there is. Leviticus chapter 23, 22. If you aren't familiar with the Old Testament, Leviticus is the book of the law. It was given early on to the, the Israelites after they had left Egypt, and God needed them to understand how good and perfect and pleasing he really is. He wanted to give them this kind of list of things that they could do to try and live in a way that pleased him. And there's a, the whole book of Romans is, is about what that really meant, and I recommend you go and check it out. There's even a life group you can join on Romans this semester. I won't get into all that today, but the point is, in Leviticus 23, uh, there is this passage written to the agricultural peoples who, who were the Israelites. They all had fields. They were planting crops and all this kind of stuff. They weren't yet. They were in the desert, but that's where they were going. And in the field, they were commanded to leave the edges un unharvested, to leave some margin at the edge of the field, to leave a little bit on the outside. And for them, it was specifically the context of generosity because by leaving that unharvested, it allowed the poor people who didn't have their own field to be able to do some work to come through and harvest this food and have food on their table. And so the farmers left margin in their fields for generosity. It's the first time we see a real uh, description of margin throughout the Bible. But we see it in the lives of the leaders of the Bible throughout the rest of the time. Here's the point. 
we have got to create some margin in our field. we got to create a little bit of room on the edges so that we can do the things that God wants us to do and that we want to do so that we can live the life that he's created us to live. Here's how we create a little bit of margin. John Maxwell has this great quote. He says, say no to the good things. Say no to some good things so you can say yes to more great things. We've all got a lot of good things that we could say yes to. There's a lot of things that we could do that are good. Maybe it's side jobs to make some extra money, like driving for Uber or multi-level marketing. Maybe it's sports for your kids or sports leagues for you. Maybe it's overtime pay at work or trips that your company offers that are voluntary. Or maybe it's new hobbies and projects. We all have a lot of good things that we can say yes to. But if we say yes to all of them, we won't have the capacity to say yes when something great presents itself. And there's a lot of different definitions of what the great things could be. One of them could be an all-expenses-paid vacation with Will Smith. That would be great. You'd want margin for that. But I think he's awesome. I don't, you know, I don't know. He, he's so cool. Anyways, I <laughs> just would like to hang out. I feel like I'd be cooler. And so... It's not all stuff. I'm not talking about only stuff like that. Here's what I think the great things are. A little bit of time at the end of every night on your couch face-to-face with your spouse to have a regular conversation. What about each other? Not about your kids, not about work, but about, about one another. That's a great thing. Here's another great thing. Having a little bit of time when you get home from work to sit down on the floor and look your kids face-to-face and give them the attention from you that they deeply desire. Here's another great thing. Uh, Being able to read your Bible and pray every single day. I think that if we would take a little bit of the good things out of our lives, say yes to some, say no to others, we would have room for the great things that we need to remain emotionally healthy. Margin. Second, you need to measure, don't guess. Measure, don't guess. If your life feels out of control and your emotional health is at risk because you don't have any margin or rhythms in your life, it's time to take captive every second of your day. Take captive every second of your day. Here's something that I do every other week when I get paid. I sit down and I look at the previous pay period and I count every single penny that got spent. I figure out where it all went because that allows me to determine if it's going to the right places. Or if I'm spending it in the wrong places. How much I have that I can save. How much that I have that I can give away. If I don't do that, and I forget sometimes, and it seems like those are always the times that my wife asks about it. If I don't do that, things can get out of control. There'll be money missing. Money that I don't remember where it went. How it got spent. Money will get spent in the wrong areas. We won't have the margin that we needed for that month. Every time I forget to do that, I suffer as a result. Here's another area I do the same thing. My time. My time. Now, I'm a little bit overstructured as a person. I acknowledge that. I have ADHD, so I have a schedule for everything in my life, or I would do nothing ever but stare at butterflies, <laughs> watch squirrels out my window. That's it. I don't, I don't know if that's you or not. You may not need to do it all the time, but I do think you need to do it every so often to check in. Sit down. It's not hard. You're going to think I'm crazy when I describe this, but listen, it won't take a lot of time, and it can, it can show you where your margin needs to be. Sit down at the end of each day for five or ten minutes with a journal or a notebook 
and write down hour by hour what you did all day today. Just put it all out there. You can remember. You can do it. I believe in you. Every hour, what'd you do that day? Do that for a week. And at the end of that week, that's going to take you about 10 minutes every night, maybe less. At the end of that week, sit down and look at that notebook and look at what you did in that week. How many good things are on that list that you don't need to be doing? How many great things did you miss out on as a result of it? Where's your time going? Learn to budget your time. Don't guess. Measure. Third thing that I think we can do to create a healthy life rhythm. Sabbath. Sabbath. Listen, the Bible is pretty clear. You cannot have a healthy life rhythm if you do not Sabbath. Exodus 20 Uh, Verses 8 through 11 gives this command. It says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do not work, neither you nor your son nor daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. And for in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Now, this is a, something that New Testament churches argue about what it all means because Jesus was constantly doing ministry on the Sabbath. And when he was challenged on it, he always had really good wisdom to throw back at them. He would say things like, the Sabbath was, is made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And Paul later would say, listen, some people say this day is holy. Some people say this day is holy. I say it doesn't matter as long as you keep a day holy. And there's a lot in the Bible about it. Here's the point. God needed rest. You need rest. God needed rest. You need rest. You are not capable of functioning without it. If you aren't being intentional about how you rest, you will burn out. That's what happened to me. Because even on the days I was supposed to be resting, I was working. I was thinking about the church. I was checking emails. I was doing house chores, which can be hard for me. I'm not a house chores person, okay? I should live in an apartment forever, but I'm a homeowner. It's who I am now. And I was doing that sort of thing. I was caught up in in focus about ministry. I was thinking about things that would happen, and it burned me out, and it will burn you out. Here's here's what I would recommend. If you have, uh, here's what I hope, that you have one day off entirely every week. And if you don't, listen, Asheville Weekends, it's not like other places. I know how the, the job structure works here. Maybe you work seven days a week. I would make it a goal in 2018 to get to work six days a week for you. It's not healthy. Working seven days a week is not healthy. It's not sustainable. You will burn out. Now, here's my hope, that you have one day off every single week. And if you do, you're blessed. If you have two days off, you're super blessed. So if you have two days off every single week, here's what I would recommend. This is what my family does. Um, Here's how we we function. On one day, we prepare for the Sabbath. And so I take it off as a project day. It's when we do all of our shopping that we need to do, house projects, chores. It's it's, It's a day that is a day off but it's a day where we get all the stuff done because you got all kinds of stuff that needs to get done, right? So that is our get stuff done day. And then the next day off is our rest day. And we do nothing but rest on this day. We are not allowed to move within six paces of our couch. Not true. That's not restful for me. That's, That's exhausting for me. 
We do things that recharge our family. We go out for a hike. We get in the mountains. We go paddle boarding in the summer. We go, we go up and we go for long walks out at, at one of the places around town. There's all these nice paved areas. You can go for a great walk around town. We go out to Bent Creek. We walk around the lake. We do all the things that help us to feel rested. Some days we lay around and we watch a movie. The bottom line is we do no work on those days and it fills us up. If you've only got one day a week off, I'd encourage you to do your chores, shopping, housework, and all that kind of stuff, chunk by chunk, if you can, after work each week. Now, I know, I know, you get off of work, you want to collapse. Uh, I was this way when, when we lived in California and we're preparing for the church, and I had all this stuff that I had to do. I only had, I was working seven days a week, because on my two days off, I was focused on building a church and doing ministry. And so I realized that that wasn't healthy for my family. And so I just started to do those things piece by piece throughout the week. And it made for longer days during the week, and that was hard. But I had a full day off every single week to rest, and it made all the difference for our family. Now, maybe that's still not possible. You got housework you got to do. I understand. Set a schedule for it. Say from 7 to 11 today, I'm doing the house chores and the shopping that needs to get done. And at 11, my Sabbath starts, and I'm just going to do the things that give me significance, that I love to do, that help me to, to, to feel filled up and full of life and give me what I need to make it into the next week. Listen, you've got to have a Sabbath. You can't be emotionally healthy without this kind of margin and rhythm. Second thing, that was the longest one, I promise. Second thing, find for No, it's not. I, I take that back. Second thing, find freedom from bitterness, <laughs> anxiety, and depression. If you want to get emotionally healthy this year, this is the year. 2018 is your year. It's time to find freedom from bitterness, anxiety, and depression. This one is not an easy fix. It's not a quick thing you can do later today. It's work. It's hard work. And it's often painful. And it can take a long time. It could take months. It could take years. But if any of these things are a part of your life, and you want to be emotionally healthy, you need to find freedom from them. If you suffer from any of these things in a significant capacity, crippling anxiety that you can't go outside, that you're coping with something like alcohol or drugs, depression that makes you feel thoughts of self-harm, or anything along the lines of not being able to have a normal social life because your depression is so significant, or bitterness that is so deep that you are, are filled with rage, inside as a result of that. If that's you, then there's three things that you can do to begin to find freedom this year, today. First, get in community. Get in community. Get in community. Life groups are starting soon. Don't miss the signups. We believe we find freedom around others who are finding freedom alongside of us. We find freedom in community along followers of Jesus who are there to push us forward and move us along. Come out of hiding. Be vulnerable. Don't go through this alone. Let people know that you're hurting. Don't hurt alone. That's not how you're designed. That's harder. Come out of hiding. Get in community. Second thing, listen to your doctor. This is not something a pastor will say often, but here's what I believe about medication. It helps in the same way that pain medication helps a broken bone. It makes it manageable so you can begin to treat the problem. 
I wouldn't recommend going without either in a serious situation. But it is not a permanent solution. It does not fix the problem. It numbs it. It can help you, but I don't believe it's the answer. There is a balance. Third thing. This is a really popular thing for pastors to say also. Go see a counselor. Get real counseling. I believe a licensed, professional, Christ-following counselor can save your life. I believe it. One changed mine. That summer, Raelle and I went to marriage counseling. That fall, actually, 2016. And I'll tell you my counselor's number. And I think, you, you know what? I think the woman is anointed by the Spirit to do what she does. She saved me. She helped me get into a healthy place. She worked through our marriage and brought it into a better place than it has ever been before. We were not talking about divorce or even thinking about it. We just weren't healthy. Don't wait until it is too late to let somebody help you. Come out of hiding. Don't go through this by yourself anymore. That's not wise. That's not what Scripture teaches. I believe that sometimes our best bet is to work through our pain, our depression, our anxiety, our bitterness in the context of counseling. Sometimes I think it's worth the investment. If it's expensive, okay. So is doctors if you have cancer. But you go to the, you go to the treatments. You, go, you get the medication. You do what you have to do to fight for your life. I believe that when it comes to our emotional health, if it's that serious, you're fighting for your life. Pay what you have to pay. See who you need to see. Now, if you struggle with these things and it's not that serious, but it's still making you unhealthy, I've got some stuff that we can do this morning as well. First, I think that if we're dealing with anxiety and depression and bitterness, we've got to remember that they are like weeds. You can't just cut the top off and expect that they'll go away. You've got to dig out the roots. It's time to take control of your thought life. 2 Corinthians 10, chapters 4 and 5 says this, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, there is no more powerful weapon you could possibly have against these things that are rooted inside of you. It says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Take your thoughts captive. When you begin to tell yourself that you're worthless or that you can't do something or fear enters your mind or anger rooted in bitterness creeps in, take it captive and tell it no. Stop those thoughts. You've got to retrain your brain. You've got to start to tell yourself, when, when that voice enters your head, you are worthless. You'll never amount to anything. You stop it and you say, no, that is not true. I have the promises of God. Memorize the promises of God, who he says you are, and start repeating those things in your mind over and over again. Replace it with rejoicing, with praise to God, with his promises. This is going to be hard work. It's not going to be instantaneous, but over time, you can retrain your mind to push those things out. Look at Philippians chapter 4, verse, verses 4 and 6 through 9. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your mind. When you feel those voices entering your head, rejoice in God. Say He is the one. Praise His name. Sing a worship song. Do what you have to do. And slowly, little by little, His peace will begin to transform your mind. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things and the God of peace will be with you. Retrain your brain. That's God's promise for you today. Don't let bitterness get a foothold in your life. Start the forgiveness process. Don't let depression tell you that you are not worth it. God says you have a purpose in your creation. Go before him and he will get you rest and peace and understanding. Rejoicing when you feel like crying. Let's get healthy in this area this year. The third thing that we can do is find freedom from sin. Find freedom from sin. And we find freedom in community. In fact, we're launching a life group this year called Freedom Groups. And right now we have a men's one. We're working on getting a women's one together. And we're really excited about this. So if you are new to us, we're an ARC church, Association of Related Churches. It's a network of of church plants that are similar to this. And one of the resources they give out is this resource called Freedom Groups. A Freedom Group is a curriculum-based group where we are simply fighting for freedom in these areas, in all of these areas, in our sin, emotional health, all of it. You could join a freedom group and get really vulnerable with some people this semester. You could be unbelievably honest. You could decide to work alongside somebody else to get healthy this year. You don't have to join a freedom group. You can join any life group. Get in community. Build a relationship with somebody. Find someone you have chemistry with and take it deeper. And then find accountability. Get somebody who has permission to ask you anything. And in those situations and in those scenarios, you'll find it harder to hide your sin when you become more and more vulnerable with somebody and learn to confess your sin to one another. James 5.16, it says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you may be healed. You can be healed. You can be healed from your sin. You don't have to bear the guilt and the shame of it. You don't have to be embarrassed about it. You don't have to feel alone in it anymore. You can be healed. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God is for you. And He wants you to be whole and to be healthy and to enjoy life this year, to live abundant life, to experience the life that is truly life. Let's get on a pathway to living that this year, to experiencing real health in our minds. We just got to do a few things. We got to make some shifts and some changes, and we can be emotionally healthy in the way we were created to be this year. Here's my hope. 
that as a body of believers, the gathering church would be marked by being an emotionally healthy group of people. That hasn't, hasn't been popular in church culture. It's been normal for us to sweep this kind of thing under the rug, to act like everything's fine on Sunday, and then to go home feeling broken apart. That is never who we want to be here. This is a place you can be who you are. This is a place you can go through it because we're going through it too. This is a place you can be vulnerable and real and authentic. Get in a life group and get along somebody else and let them help walk you to a place of emotional health. If you need more help, get more help. If you need to really let the Spirit transform you this year, find somebody who is Spirit-filled to help you let the Spirit transform you. Almost fell, didn't. <laughs> Jesus makes it easy for us. He says this in Matthew chapter 11, 28, as we conclude today, as we finish up. He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. <sighs> do you need rest today? Emotionally, do you feel like do you feel like you need rest? That summer when I was feeling broken apart and I was, I was just kind of emotionally at the end of my rope, I remember reading this passage. And like I said, I'd been reading the Bible a lot, better than ever. And, I, and my Bible plan had, had brought me back to Matthew and I read this passage and I just felt broken by it. I started crying in my office because I realized that the one who I was trying to lead people to, I wasn't giving him my burdens. I was carrying them myself. Not how he made me. That's not what he wanted for me. When he called me to follow him, that wasn't his plan. His plan wasn't for me to carry my own burdens. It doesn't say, carry your own burden. He says, pick up your cross and follow me, but don't misunderstand that. That just means be willing to do what he calls us to do. That means that, yes, you may suffer, but when you suffer on his behalf, you will be able to count it rejoicing because you'll be satisfied in knowing you're doing what he created you to do. What he did not create you to do is carry your own burdens. That's his job. I sat there shortly after that, and I looked at one of my pastor friends, uh, Fred Baker, the guy that pastors me, a pastor of Fellowship Asheville, and I said, Fred, I just feel like I have all these burdens from leading the church and from learning to be a father and learning to be a husband and, and all of it. And, and I feel like every time somebody meets with me and they're going through something that I just have to carry, that this is my job. That what I get to do for them is carry some of that burden for them. And Fred laughed at me and I said, how dare you? I'm a hurting. <laughs> Why are you laughing at me? <laughs> but that's Fred. And he laughed at me and said, John Mark, you got it all wrong. That's not your job. You're hurting because you're not doing your job. Your job isn't to carry their burdens. It's to point them to the one who does. It's to point them to the only one who can. It's to walk them through letting those burdens go. Getting healthy alongside other people doesn't mean carrying other people's burdens. It means learning to trust that Jesus can and that he will and that he does. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart.
and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the truth that you might need in 2018. Maybe like me, you just need to burn that verse into your memory. Because listen, you can be free from this emotional unhealthiness this year. You can have margin in your life. You don't have to be so busy that you feel you're bursting at the seams. You can have a rhythm that leads you to a place of rest. You don't have to carry that bitterness anymore. You can forgive that person. I know they don't deserve it. doesn't matter. You do. You can be free from that depression this year. I've walked through that one. I know what it feels like to get free of that one. You want it. Trust me. You can be free from that sin this year. You don't have to carry it into 2018. It doesn't matter if it's been a part of your life for 20 years. It can end today. You can find freedom. That's the message of Jesus. That's what it means to be healthy. Let's make a commitment in 2018 to get emotionally healthy this year. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are, God. We thank you for your blessings, Lord Father. God, that that you would look down on us and just say, I want to give you rest. I want to take this from you. I want to make it easier on you. I've created you for a purpose. And I want to see you make a difference in it. God, I just ask that you would help us to find healthy rhythms in our life, God. To do the maintenance we need to do to stay healthy this year. If it's busyness that is keeping us from experiencing your rest, that God, help us to put our busyness aside this year, to put it away, to tell it no more, to build margins and rhythm. God, if we're struggling with anxiety, depression, bitterness, God, give us the strength to start the journey of freedom from it. It won't be easy, but Lord, we can do all things when you give us your strength. So God, Give us the strength to fight those battles. And God, if this is the year that sin dies in somebody's life, remind them that if they are yours, they are a slave to nothing. Remind them that if they are yours, then no weapon formed against them shall prosper. Remind them that if they are yours, that they don't have to submit to anything except for you, Father. That they can defeat this sin. We love you, Lord. We ask for your blessings on this year, God. We ask for plenty this year, God. We ask that you would just come upon us in new ways this year, that your power would be felt in our lives this year, that at the end of 2018, on the 31st, as we sit around with family and friends, that we would say, wow, God showed up this year. Wow, I can't believe he did what he did. We praise you, we glorify you in Jesus' name, amen.